Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I am absolutely thrilled today to talk to an old buddy of mine, college friend of mine, I think you guys are going to really enjoy getting to know my friend, Sam Kaiser. Pastor Sam Kaiser, how's it going, brother? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah. Well, let's pray, and then we'll get to know you a little bit before we talk about pastoring in the crazy nation of California. So <laughs> let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for your grace that unites brothers across the country. I thank you for our history and all that you've done just in the friendship over the years. And God, I just thank you for a brother. Learned a lot from him and, and excited to have this conversation. Holy Spirit, lead this time. Point us to Jesus. I trust you will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So guys, let me just set this up real quick. Me and Sam went to college together. We spent a lot of time hanging out, goofing off, eating some uh, chicken helper one time. We got real fancy one time and Sam Kaiser made me some chicken helper. Uh, you remember what kind of chicken helper that was? Man, I don't know. That it was cheese. <laughs> it was a cheesy chicken. It had this crumbly stuff on top. And right. then it was the bomb. I mean, it was straight up good. And I've always loved hosting people. We still we still do that, man. It's just like, but then I didn't have any skills. So it was like just chicken helper. Now we'll make you a nice big steak and some veggies and a few different pastas. So we got to get you out here. Well, yeah, if me and the fam ever, ever make it out there, then I'm expecting the steak, pasta, just all the works is what I'm expecting. Love it, man. Yeah, okay. So we went to Ireland together. We we got to do a lot of neat things together, but I also got to sit under his leadership at a church when I was working at a, a youth ministry and learned a lot from Sam, and Sam's younger than I am, but you guys are just going to like this conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's been pastoring in California, but first we're going to hear the story about how a Kentucky boy a wild, wild Kentucky child gets all the way from eat the, the, the hills of eastern Kentucky to California. So give us the big view of that. And then we're going to go into what ministry has been like the last couple of years in California. Yeah, man. I always say I'm the son of a coal miner's daughter in eastern Kentucky. And uh, I keep a picture of my grandfather um, in a coal mine. I can see it right now from my uh, from my desk. And I always keep that to remind me where I'm where I'm from. And um and it's quite different. So when you say, Hey, we're going to talk to this guy who's a California pastor. And then you get on the podcast and you hear my accent and you go, Hey, something doesn't make sense here. Right. right? This right. Is not in California. And so uh, big picture, I, I moved to uh, Tennessee, uh, turned down some kind of sporting scholarship stuff to go to Bible college, private university that I think uh, I only spent one year when we say we went to college together I think I dropped out after a year and started working at a local church that's how we ended up meeting and um, I uh, I was there in ministry at at this church and and uh, uh, young and young and dumb and I spent some years in ministry just like uh, thinking you know I didn't need anybody's help and and God humbled me over the years through that and I kind of left ministry for a little while out of Tennessee and by the grace of God I uh, met my wife in some of my uh, wayward years of running for ministry and she kind of settled me down and uh, we started youth pastoring uh, a little church in uh, in Elizabethtown Kentucky and just south of uh, Louisville not Louisville or Louisville but Louisville right get it right and uh and then um 
a guy that I connected with when we were in Tennessee, we were part of this youth ministry kind of franchise they were trying to do called 180 back in the day. And there was a guy, Kevin Moore, who led uh, the main 180 when we were in Tennessee with uh, Sam Kidwell and, and Robert Green, who I was on staff with there. And, and uh, actually, for me, as an Eastern Kentucky boy, I'd never been on an airplane before. So when I was in at this church, the first time I ever flew was uh, with Sam, with Robert, um, to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to uh, the 180 Center there. Met Kevin Moore, and I thought this guy was uh, had some different ideas that was more discipleship-centered. And not so much just the the wow of youth ministry. Let's just get a bunch of kids in the room, but let's let's disciple them. And when I started youth pastoring in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, I looked this guy back up, and uh, he was at a church in California. And uh, I started going to like this little conference. We followed each other on Twitter, and I had one conversation with him, and uh, felt like God just spoke to me and was like. Um, Hey, I, well, as I say spoke, I had this feeling that, Hey, he was going to ask me to come out there. And, uh, my wife didn't believe me. We just bought a house in Elizabethtown and, uh, lo and behold, I got a call from him and he recruited me to come be one of the guys on this, at this mega church out in, uh, the central Valley of California. So when you say California, it's not real California. And I've been in California long enough to know what real California gotcha. is. Like even the other day on uh, Joe Rogan was talking about California. He says, California is basically uh, San Diego, uh, LA, uh, San Francisco, and the rest of it's Kentucky. And he literally <laughs> said Kentucky. And uh, which, which is uh, for me, like um, it's kind of true. And, uh, and so that will play into even what you people's perception of California might be and then what California is actually like as opposed to what the media's presentation of that is and then what you'll find when you're not just in these big hubs these big cities you'll find people that um are a little more Kentucky than they are California and yeah. uh, so anyways we uh, I went to a, a big church in Visalia and uh the guy who brought me out there five months into the gig decided to plant his own church and I went from this little church in Elizabethtown, Kentucky of 150 people and a youth group of 30 to the church of 3000, a youth ministry of three, 400. And the main guy leaves. And then they asked me to take over. So I literally become, uh, now, luckily I had some experience from being in Tennessee with you guys at that, uh, at Westmore church of God, a quite bigger church than what I'd been used to or grown up in. So I kind of understood some of those things just administratively. And, uh, so anyways, I spent two years as the youth and young adults pastor, uh, there and knew I was a terrible youth pastor. Uh, I wanted to preach the Bible. I was too serious to just hang out and I'd kind of had some rough edges to me. So, uh, youth ministry is a special kind of person and, yeah. and, uh, and we can talk on the validity of what youth ministry is, but that'd be another podcast, even if right. I even think it's uh, viable. Uh, but I knew I was called to preach and teach the Bible. And, uh, and, uh, and so, um, we got a uh, phone call from our network superintendent and it was just the grace of God. There was relationships. I was working in a position that if I had sent my resume into, I would not get an interview for the job that I currently held. Gotcha. And, uh, so it's just, you know, God will make room for you. Your gifts will make room for you and God will put you in places. And that was kind of my story. And, um, uh, 
while I was there, I finished my degree that I dropped out earlier in Tennessee and yeah, that's cool. And, um, yeah, you know, really worked hard. I had the, my, the lead pastor there said to me, Sam, Hey, you may have all the gifts and ability to be the lead pastor. No one's going to give you an interview until you finish your degree. And you, you sit down and like, you know, show yourself studied and approved. And, uh, and that was great advice for me. And, uh, and so then we, uh, we got this, uh, opportunity to come to, uh, Santa Barbara County, which is, um, more California than where I was at. So, okay. um, this, I live right on the coast. I'm 10 minutes from the coast, the, the coast. Um, I know for people listening, I have a picture in my office that Jerry can see on, mm-hmm. on Zoom here. And that's what our coastline looks like. That's a, that's pretty. That's a picture of it. And I'm about 10 minutes from that. And, uh, I live in a small town connected to other small towns. We call it the Valley, the San Ynez Valley, and it's Santa Barbara wine country. So I'm just above uh, Santa Barbara, Montecito. So the famous mudslides that happened where some of the celebrities were trapped, had to be removed from with helicopters. Oprah lives there. Ellen lives there. Uh, in my valley, I could run into the singer Pink. Uh, I could run into Joey from Friends. I could run into uh, Jack Bauer. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and then I live in the San Diego Valley, which is Santa Barbara wine country. And then 20 minutes away where we have another campus now, by the grace of God, in Lompoc, not Lompoc, if you see it, uh, as uh, it's Toretto from Fast and the Furious said he spent time in Lompoc because uh, there's a federal prison there okay. uh, and uh, that's where spacex is so literally okay. the oh, day wow. i was at our um our lompoc campus pastor's parents house and they live out on a little uh golf course country club there and you could see the rocket launch the other day you could see it actually from their uh their pad back patio you could see the tip of the rocket and we're like is that the rocket and then all of a sudden it lifts off and we wow that's cool see it from start to finish and so there's people in my church from spacex um you see a bunch of teslas around because everyone's uh you know hooked up with elon and that kind of deal so it's an interesting valley to live in especially for a kid from i mean literally um the the one of the poorest regions in the country in eastern yeah. Kentucky and a town called Jenkins Kentucky and uh to give you some context uh I grew up thinking nuns wore uh white and blue because okay. Mother Teresa had a sect of nuns in my town and oh wow uh, yeah yeah and so she obviously is famous for having a ministry to the poorest of the poor that is in G- Jenkins, Kentucky. I graduated from Jenkins High School. Okay. And uh, my grandmother even had painted a picture of Mother Teresa. She was a painter, and actually, the local uh, priest actually taught my grandmother to uh, to paint. And uh, I always wondered, like, why did she paint Mother Teresa? And then I realized Mother Teresa actually vid- visited my hometown in 1982. Man. And, uh, so she's doing she's doing her work in Calcutta, and then when she comes stateside, she's going to Jenkins, Kentucky. That, that's that's how poor the wow. area that I grew up in. And so uh, now God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. I literally live in a unique area in the country. And what's cool is, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says you've been handcrafted in order to do good works prepared in advance. And mm-hmm. that idea that you'll just fit. I mean, um, this area is wine and horses where Kentucky and where my wife's from is bourbon and horses. And mm-hmm. everyone wants to talk with my accent, even though they are from <laughs> California. And I've learned more, there's more ranching here, cattle ranches on the side of 
the coast, uh, the famous uh, cattle ranch, Hollister Ranch. If you look that up, it's a famous surf spot. It's a private conglomerate of the wealthiest people, but it's also a working cattle ranch. Uh, so Julia Roberts lives out there. That's about 10 minutes from here. Uh, James Cameron. And then wow. here's this kid from Eastern Kentucky pastoring this church. Uh, that was this kind of small mom and pop shop, just topical. Let me love people and give them something good to think about to coming in and preaching books of the Bible, really challenging people to look at the scriptures in a way uh, that maybe people were afraid to teach in California in this valley. Oh, you know, I would have people say to me early on, Hey, you Sam, you can't be too conservative in this valley and make it. And then now we've spent seven years um, and numbers aren't, uh, you know, uh, everything. And I think churches can be big and unhealthy. Uh, but uh, you know, we tripled, in seven years, we've tripled. We went from, you know, a little over 100 people to, to three, 400 every weekend to a couple campuses and in a town with 5,000 people with a region of about 40,000. And cool. so um, it's really, you know, it's been cool. Now we're preaching Good. through books of the Bible every weekend and trying to make it. And then COVID happens, right? So let's uh, answer this real quick. You got Sarah, your wife, you got three boys, right? You got three boys? Got three boys and one little okay. girl. Okay, one little baby girl. That's yeah, we cool. got so four. That's awesome. So we got our two boys and we got a little girl. Just had our little little baby girl last year, and it's been yeah, fun. And you're a surfer now, so you go out and surf a couple days a week. I yeah, do. I'm, you wearing a spandex bodysuit or oh, that spandex bodysuit? Oh, yeah, I look like a Power beard. Ranger. Yeah. Power Ranger going out like a like an overgrown Power Ranger. Man, what's this guy doing? <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about this. I, so Sam and I we meet at, at school. Now you're still, I think you're the first uh, and probably the only. Assemblies of God, Pastor. You guys are still an AG church, aren't you? We are. You just wouldn't know it when you came in the door, for okay, sure. Okay, guys, we're, we're talking to a bona fide Pentecostal here. That's what we're. That's who we're talking with. And Sam, I love Sam because you know a lot of times within theological, you know, circles, there can be, you know, when I was in school, I went to Pentecostal college, and then I was working with Baptists in the summertime. Yeah. And both both of those groups barely thought the other was saved. You know, sure. ter terrified sure. of each other. And here we are today in two different theological streams yeah, and for me so I, I was raised kooky charismatic then traditional pentecostal pentecostal starting in college but i actually finished my degree at liberty university at a baptist university look so, at that look at yeah. that so uh all right covid comes california cracks down in some pretty unique ways a lot of states do and then we hear the news dust up macarthur and that uh Calvary Chapel Church, they're going to stay open and yeah. they're going to have people come and worship and they're not going to require social distancing or masks. And then that's when we hear everything that's going on. And then you up north, north of there, are one of the faithful churches, I'm sure of thousands of churches in California that said, we're going to obey God over man. We've had enough time to tell what this is and what this isn't. And we're going to walk in wisdom here. And we recognize that elders and pastors here are given authority that state governors are not given and yeah. that the federal government is not given and that state municipal courts or municipal authorities aren't given. And so we're going to do what God has called us to do, no matter what the cost. And uh, I just want to hear how that's been, how it went. And uh, then how are you guys doing now in light of everything that's happened over the last two years? Yeah. Well, you know, when we first, when it first started happening, uh, we, uh, there was like uh, limits on gathering size was the start and so we started going wait this doesn't make sense uh you can go stand in line in costco but you know you can't be at church right 
So we were committed to staying open. And then unfortunately, um, you know, uh, for, for me, I, I think I really questioned and I didn't have a lot of peers out like at the time that it wasn't sure what John MacArthur was doing. And I don't know if he shut down for a couple weeks or if he was open the entire time. I think there was a season where all of us went, hold on a second, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, no, we're not going to continue to do this. So, so ours was shut down um, in person for about eight weeks, I think, and okay. which was a bummer. And we were doing online stream. Uh, but then people just started showing up and I'd give hints like, Hey, the door, the doors aren't locked kind of deal. And so then we started having like 150 people just show up while I was streaming online. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, some of that decision to shut down was like, it went from, um, you couldn't do a gatherings like worship, but it was like restaurants were closing, like everything was closing. And so mm-hmm. then it was like, okay, let me be wise. And what, what should we do here? And then as more things came out, because obviously, we, you know, some people knew it all along. I had inklings of, hey, this isn't what it is. However, I can tell you I'm not a COVID denier at all. It's very real. We've had serious issues with it. I've almost lost my dad and my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the lack of treatment, I've had to argue with doctors in uh, kind of fantastical ways. Uh, to get treatments uh, with them in the hospital. And, uh, and so um, by the grace of God, they, they, they are okay. But yeah. I worried about people who could not articulate in such a way that they could argue with a medical doctor. And where I'm from, like people, you just do what you're told. Like it's the experts, it's the appeal to the experts. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anyways, um, we opened back up. I think there was uh, see that even the Calvary Chapel churches like had a date of when they were all going to open back up, which was like June something. And um, there was like uh, God speak church and a couple others. And we, we opened uh, a little before that. Um, and it's, it's been good. Uh, I think I had I, early on when we, we opened back up, I would have people watch online and see that there were people in the crowd. So we stopped showing the crowd mm-hmm. and because people were, you know, I was just trying to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove and do things in ways it was like, uh, and I tell you, my stance has been a little different than I've not made it overtly political. It's not been like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, they're telling us no. Uh, and unfortunately my denomination, my network encouraged other churches to close. And so, uh, I was the only church. So when you say thousands of churches in California, yeah, that, that, uh, not overestimation, huh? Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, maybe, man, I I was the only church in a region open for a year. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. And uh, in two sit, and I got two campuses, and I was the only church in the valley open, and I was the only church in Lompoc open, and and um, and that's a you know for a guy who's uh, I became lead pastor when I was twenty seven, I turned thirty five in March, and already I don't have a lot of peers in. Uh, yeah, I'm a Pentecostal charismatic guy, and whatever you, kind of what you might think about that, and I'd probably. Um, agree with a lot of different persuasions as well. I got a, I got a retired Presbyterian pastor who's in my sermon prep meeting. And, um, I would, I would say, um, you know, I'm already doing things that's different than what, um, the model of 
my organization is. Okay. Uh, and so I'm, I'm probably the only church. So there's 400 and some churches in the SoCal network uh, of churches. That's Fresno to Mexico. Okay. And I'm, as I know of, I'm the only AG church that preaches through books of the Bible. Okay. Uh, wow. Who does expositional preaching, not topical. Uh, and I'm one of the only churches out of those 400 in from Fresno to Mexico that were open. Oh my. So there was uh, pressure. The pressure then was certainly oh, there yeah. for you. To I, I mean, when, when we were shut down and I wanted to do a drive-in service, this was before people were even doing outdoor services. I got a message, uh, from, um, and I'm not, I don't think he's going to listen to this cause I don't think he's going to call me either, but, um, I put some on Facebook when I was on Facebook and, uh, that we we're going to do a drive-in service. And we have this like youth container. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but we call it the hub. Okay. We took a storage container and we built it out into a youth group box. It's like okay. an amphitheater deal. And so it opens up like a tiny house and it has this hangout areas and TV on a wall. It's in our parking lot. Our weather's so great that I, I don't have a youth facility. So I'm, we made youth group in a box. And so I was going to build some kind of roof deck on this container and have an outdoor service drive-in service i'm just doing whatever i can and i get a call from him hey sam or a message like hey sam you know from what i understand from the governor you're not you know you're not supposed to do this da da da. Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating because i was going hey um man i don't hear from you uh and the first thing i hear from you is hey don't do that right right and, right uh, and so that, that was a whole relational kind of thing of, and the start of me as a, you know, the transition, you know what this is like when you're a young guy, you have a lot of uh, father figures, a lot of mentors, a lot of pastors, and you just kind of go, Hey, and then there's this transition in your life where you're like, no, I, I'm, I, I'm my own man. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a father, I'm a pastor. And I have to, uh, under the fear of the Lord, make the decisions that I'm going to make and live yeah. with those. That's right. And so that was a big shift for me. Um, of you know of not for a kid who grew up without his dad around looking for the approval of other men and people to you know was a transition of like hey i don't need this and uh i'm not looking for that i i need i need to know at the end of the day that i'm doing what god's called me to do and so yeah we were completely different than everybody else and we stayed open and i can tell you this in two years we just had the best two years um financially in the history of our church. This church awesome. is seven years old. We just had the best two financial years. Uh, we, we launched a campus in 2020. So not only did we stay open, we launched a second um, campus. So in that conversation, it came back and the network asked me. So the, another church who was struggling already, it was closing churches who were already struggling. There was a, an AG church in Lompoc that was down to 12 people. And then all of a sudden they go online and it's the pastor doing it on, on Facebook live on his own. Their services are on his own Facebook page online. He's not able to facilitate that. So they call me, I'm going, Hey, you know, and I've been praying about this spot. People have been driving to my church from this city for a long time. And so I just go, Hey, we want this campus and and uh don't sell it don't do something else until you give me a shot the lord's already put an influence for us there so they do and mm -hmm. uh, so we we launched july 2020 um that campus and still going strong awesome. and um so yeah so it, it's been one of those things where at times i had code enforcement you know send me stuff hey 
and they would say, Hey, there's been a complaint. So a neighbor or somebody, and this has been kind of the craziest stuff is, is neighbors and other people like us doing youth ministry stuff. And you got a hundred kids in the parking lot and people posting pictures of it on Facebook and going, you know, Hey, you're super spreaders for Christ. You're, <laughs> you know, you're dangerous. You're, you know, all those types. We we've experienced all of that. I just stayed neutral. I didn't come out and, and, you know, if people were going to socially distance and go online as the vulnerable did, and I think that's a biblical thing, uh, to quarantine the sick or protect the vulnerable, um, uh, and let people make their choices. And, yeah, that's uh, good. and so we made the best online stream that we possibly could. And then, Hey, we love you. The idea of the church, the, uh, the ecclesia is, is literally the gathering. So make sure you're gathering. If you, you're doing that with your home, you're doing that with a couple of friends. That's a, but it, you have to gather to be the church. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. um, yeah, you can't, you can't really be the assembly without assembling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like a church at online at home alone. And we've gained people like there's a, I kept seeing this name on our database from San Diego. And all of a sudden I was like, has anybody know this guy named Kenny, Kenny, anybody met Kenny? Like there's no Kenny's here. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's a part of our church and there was giving that was coming in from this guy. And I see the address of Sandy. I'm like, somebody moved here and didn't change their address. And finally I just called Kenny and I go, Hey, Kenny, what's, um, uh, Hey Kenny, this is pastor Sam. He goes, Hey, so nice to finally meet you. Like what? And he's like, man, we've been watching your church online. We attended in 2019 and everything shut down in San Diego and they got no place to go, no place, uh, attending. And wow, that's open. Well, and he just starts attending on our online campus and they get, um, you know, they get together and their, their plan is to move up here. They're like, well, our plan is we're trying to move. We're trying to get out. And like, cool. so it's, it's, you know, I think God will use, you know, you just, do whatever you can to the best of your ability and some sow some water god gives increase and, and well i mean i think i think one of the things that we've had to learn over the last couple of years is that uh, loving people loving your neighbor never requires disobeying god the best way to love people is to obey god Absolutely. and as you as you obey the lord there's going to be people that are going to say that's not loving to people and you've got to have a clear conscience before the lord to say you know obeying god is the best way to love people sure. and as we and make I a priority to gather together as we make a priority to break bread together as sure. we make a priority to walk in wisdom certainly but to obey the lord um, all the more as we see the day approaching well then then that's also the best way that we can love people and yeah and I, we we end every service and, and i'll say sometimes i'll say this me loving you doesn't mean i make you like me yeah that's and good that, that's different you know, yeah. uh, and we've, con we've convoluted the two we with popularity and love. They're not the same and faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm -hmm. And so there are times when I love my children, but they don't like me in that moment, but I mm -hmm. know absolutely that I'm loving them. And we, we end every single weekend and I have the, the congregation say this together. And I say, Hey, we're going to say not a mantra, but with a mission. Because here's our mission, and I, I have everyone say this. Let everything we say and do bring glory to God and good to this valley. Mm -hmm. And amen. We'll see you next week. We That's end good. every service. for, And so on the wall, our mission is for his glory and the good of the valley. And so we talk about this past weekend. My sermon was just that because I'm in uh, the high priestly prayer in, in uh, John 17. And, and uh, you know, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you and so what does glory mean and uh and so 
then the idea of us living in such a way that brings attention, not to myself, but glorifies God. And when mm -hmm. people see God, the most beautiful, um, loving, uh, God, this personal God, the very essence of all beauty. Well, that's good for people if they can see that. Right. Like, and I think, you know, I try to approach it from, you know, I grew up with the guys who were, you know, the Erwin McManuses and, um, and people who are more philosophical in their preaching style. And so I try to, I think that's helped me, um, where I'm preaching through books of the Bible, try to come at it from a way that draws people in who the, the, the Bible's not been an authority for them. And so mm -hmm. what I try to do is find that, um, for lack of a better word, a woke term of that intersection of what they believe to be true. And you go, Hey, here's where the Bible has said that for thousands of years. Um, you know, that intrinsically to be true. How do I, you know, uh, yeah. so anyways, uh, we've seen God do some, some great stuff through, Good. you know, yeah, man. Well, let's turn the corner here a little bit. You have dealt with some frustrating hypocrisy from Gavin Newsom. And in Illinois, we've dealt with some frustrating hypocrisy from J.B. Pritzker, our governor. And there's been some, it's almost like a few governors throughout the country are in cahoots together to see who can be the yeah. most wild and most progressive and most authoritative and, and authoritarian and all that kind of stuff. You've recently you've recently seen the Super Bowl in California with nobody wearing masks, everybody spitting and sweating on each other, yeah. everybody hugging and high-fiving each other. And, uh, and, and yet, um, and the governor there with no mask on hanging out with magic Johnson. And here in Illinois, we had a, our governor that was down in the Southern part of the state, which Illinois breaks up basically from Chicago. Chicago is Chicago. And then everything else is, is, uh, is totally different than Chicago, but basically <laughs> South of Springfield, yeah, Southern Illinois. So you're right. Yeah, it's like there's Chicago and then Kentucky. I guess there's really cities and then there's Kentucky. That's that's how the nation breaks up pretty much right down the middle. Um, but he comes down to the state fair, not wearing a mask, not social distancing down in Southern Illinois, which are not fans of him at all. And he was booed and <laughs> people were hooping wow. and holler. Uh, I, we've come face to face with who, what is what does Romans 13 mean? Uh, yeah. Who are the governing authorities? Do is there unlimited authority that's given to those that are elected? Are they as kings? Uh, are we as paupers in a, in a monarchy, or are we? Do we have citizen obligations? And is there a breakup of powers biblically, and then even in this nation that uh, that would show us that our our governors are not our kings? And yeah. do we do we have to hold them accountable to the law of the land and God's law? And the answer is clearly yes. So you guys have been working through that. But uh, I saw a shirt recently. I wanted you to explain it and then explain and justify why you did that. And if there is sort of a, a holy gigging that you can do, like yeah. gigging somebody in a, in a holy manner, in a prophetic kind yeah, of way. I, I think, Show, uh, tell us about those T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. So so I just said for, for kind of context, I just from my my kid is at a preschool at another church in the valley. And he's four years old and they had said, Hey, they're not going to enforce masks. My other kids are at a Christian school and they don't enforce masks in that regard. And we've been really adamant that that's not what we're going to do. And yet every school here is masked. And so, um, I have this conversation with my kid's teacher who actually is my former kids, uh, director volunteer. And I go, hey, um, I hear that they're going to crack down on kids with masks or there's going to be a problem. If there's a problem, uh, call me, I'll come get it. 
And she's like, what, what's there going to be a problem with? And I said, well, mask. And she's like, oh, okay, well, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Can, does he have one on him? And I was like, oh, no, no, he doesn't have one on him. She's like, can he put one in his pocket? And I was like, oh, Jody, now we're talking about something completely different. We're talking about compliance. We're talking about, I said, here's the thing. This disease is not dangerous for my child. And, um, and I'm, I'm not going to help him propagate a lie. We yeah, don't believe amen. in bearing false witness, and we know they are not helpful. We have evidence of that. Now, that's all come out. We can just be mm -hmm. confident in that. And so we as believers, the idea that I wear a mask to show that I love, but no, you're lying to people. Yeah. And you're telling young children to be afraid of something they should not be afraid of or be afraid of authority figure who comes in the door to get to enforce something that they know is not based on logic right. or science. That was some, some of the context as I'm having this conversation. Then that weekend, Gavin Newsom was at the uh, NFC, AFC, one of the championship games. I don't know the, the deal. So that was uh, at the, in L.A. with uh, San Francisco and, um, and L the L.A. Rams, who would go on to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, so that weekend, they didn't have masks on. And Magic Johnson took a picture with Gavin Newsom and the mayor uh, of L.A., Garcetti, and the mayor of San Francisco. And so in a valley where I've had people leave my church because they said, hey, you're, you're supposed to do uh, Romans 13. I mean, uh -huh. we had people early on decline on planning center when we asked for a volunteer uh one person declined uh when we were meeting and being open one person declined by the reason for declining romans 13 that's mm. what they put there wow and um and so in that i went no 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 i'm gonna make this shirt so quickly i have um, my former assistant at the church in visalia her husband owns this printing company and i go hey and I took the picture of Gavin Newsom and Magic Johnson. I said, hey, can you make this shirt and can you get it to me as quick as possible? I still want one like, of those shirts, by the way, man. You know, I gotta have one. And so it's like people thought I like they thought I photoshopped it like no one believed it was real. And then people just started showing up and buying them and like the whole deal. But the idea was uh, to speak the truth in love. That's his mm -hmm. picture. Right. Yep. They put it out. They, they, there's nothing that I'm doing. That's, uh, not what they did in public. And, uh, and so we put it out there to say, you have to wrestle with this truth. Yeah. This man has our kids in mask and he doesn't wear one. So that says he does not believe this is actual problem. Mm -hmm. This is not, so don't tell me it's the science. Don't tell me it's love. Don't tell me it's logic. Don't tell me anything like that. Because if, if he's the one making the rules and he doesn't believe it, then you shouldn't believe it. And then on the mm -hmm. back shoulder, I put Romans 13, one through, uh, one through three. Yeah. And so, uh, which is a backhanded command to the leaders. And so Paul writes Romans. It's also written to our, uh, our leaders. So he says, uh, it, the book of Romans is to, to Jews and to Greeks, and he's writing to the Romans and all scripture is for everyone. So this scripture is also for Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what's he got? And, and 12 ends with my body starts with my body as a living sacrifice. My body is meant to worship God. So anything fundamentally that I do with my body. So do I wear a mask and lie to other people with my body and tell them, well, no, because that's not in worship of God with my body. Should right. I repay evil for evil? when people uh, persecute me for worshiping the Lord, when they do things, well, no, he says, don't do that for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. 
And so there's this caveat. He says, if you see your brother and almost like the reflectiveness of the Sermon on the Mount kind of deal, uh, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. This was all in context of the Roman uh, kind of regime who would do certain things. And he goes, if your brother comes, so he says this, if you see your brother lacking, help him. But remember, don't uh, don't seek out vengeance for vengeance of mine. Then it goes into Romans 13, right? We got to read it all together. Then he says, obey the governing authorities over you, for they are ministers of God. Now, ministers mean servant. They are servants of God. Yep. And so the idea, it's a backhanded thing. In a Roman context, he's saying to a Caesar who has an inscription on his currency, his coin that says the son of God, Caesar believes he is God. Romans 13 says, no, you're not God. You're a servant of God. Yeah, that's to good. Punish evil, not to punish good. And that's the caveat. You got to come back. If you, if you as Caesar believe you are God, and you get to decide right and wrong, which is the whole start of this mess, us defining right and wrong on our own. When you act like God and you begin to punish people who are doing good because you've deemed it to be evil, be right. careful. Yep. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Amen. That's good. like that. That's the thing that is in the text that has to be. So for me, I want them to wrestle with. And so when someone says, hey, put a mask on and I got that shirt on. Oh, yeah. Him. Or me, which one? Like mm -hmm. uh, when I'm wearing the Gavin Newsom shirt. You know. <laughs> That's good. So it, it just, for me, the idea of prophetic mockery is absolutely biblical to point out, uh, not for the sake of Gavin Newsom, hey, God, save Gavin Newsom. Like yeah. uh, ministers, I think the man is conflicted. He is deep into stuff. And I, I see his, his uh, he, he is so overwhelmed uh, and controlled by popular opinion that it is, uh, it's scary. Uh, and I have people, um, the assistant, um, assistant chief of the CHP attends my church. He directly works for Gavin Newsom's office. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a lot of police officers, fire department, all these, all these types of, of people in my church. And there's a way in which first Peter says, Hey, love God, love the brotherhood, honor Caesar. Mm -hmm. I think there's a way in which you can honor and also speak the truth in life. I think that's Amen. that's everyone. Like I can with a brother who I have conflict with, my wife, my children, I can honor them, respect them, and say it in a way that's in love, but also go, no, I, I'm not gonna a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This yeah. is double-mindedness. And so I, I think for us, I, you know, uh the shirt has gotten me in a little bit of trouble uh with uh, you know, uh, a local coffee shop. But other than that, like people are wearing around the Valley, kids are wearing it around and it's for our Valley, for yeah. our kids. Going, well, here's, hey, here's the, and the, and the, and the funny thing is like that coffee shop owner is more upset with you than with Gavin Newsom, than with the picture. And that's the, the weird twist in all this. And I think Proverbs chapter 26, the, uh, the proverb says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes, pointing out, exposing foolish things is a, a biblical priority to say, look at this. This is foolish. And unless they think they're wise in their own eyes, yeah. it is it is good and godly of us to expose this and to say, look, look at this. He's not wearing a mask and you are upset at me. Now here's the shirt of him. Not now here's the idea. Here's what's uh, kind of more. And I, if I was doing my own podcast, 
for some local people. I probably wouldn't share this story, but um, the 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 coffee shop that the connection is the the owners parents the 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 son uh attend my church and so that's what's even more convoluted and, and oh, they're yeah. pretty they're pretty overt with their politics they have blm sticker they have rainbow sticker they have i'm a vaccinated sticker they just have really good coffee and i don't just go where i'm going to agree with everybody and so i go and it's kind of an outdoor thing you kind of pull up to it and you walk up and i i probably spend 25 bucks a week there and um I don't even have meetings there. It's not even like expense. Like this is my mm -hmm. personal deal. I like the coffee. I go there. And, uh, and then I noticed that she had kind of been treating me interesting. And there's, you know, I live in a valley where there's a, there's a pastor who's uh, a homosexual. Uh, he's wow. married to a man, Episcopal. Oh my gosh. Priest. And, uh, they've put him on their Instagram. Like, Hey, this is like, basically this is the pastor we want drinking coffee at our coffee shop not so i could tell there's not sam they, kaiser that kentucky yeah, kid but i become here my accent who i am you just you assume my position and for them maybe i might as well have worn a maga hat with the shirt on right when i walked up and i just became the epitome of all the things they were frustrated and they couldn't pinpoint anything until i wore that shirt and my wife was with me we had our two little dogs and my daughter and we we're waiting to go get our kids and there was no one else there and I just started getting these looks and I finally go, Hey, do you have a problem with me being here? And the lady rolls her eyes and like, and doesn't answer me. And I go, Hey, do you guys have a problem with me? I mean, I'm literally there three times a week. Mm -hmm. And I go, do you have a problem? Like, do you want me to be honest? Like, yeah, I do. Like, well, yeah, we don't like, and comes up. Yeah. We don't appreciate you. Like we don't appreciate your intentional behavior. And mm. I was like, I really appreciate intentional behavior. Like, <laughs> uh, I think thoughtfulness is very good. Uh -huh. That's an ethic that I have. Like, we don't like what your shirt stands for. Now here's the problem. Here's the hypocrisy that they, they don't wear masks mm -hmm. in their coffee shop. Wow. Now think about this. Uh, the other coffee shop where there's a bunch of believers, they actually wear a mask as wow. they're preparing people's food. Now they don't enforce people coming in there without it. And a lot of people do. It's more of a touristy spot in solving. And, uh, that, so they have all they're following all the mandates and they have all the political agenda they have all the stickers yet they're not wearing masks mm -hmm. and so i don't think they should wear masks and my shirt is saying they don't think they wear masks and the hypocrisy that they would be frustrated with my shirt that is actually for them and yeah, it's the right. one thing they don't do and they can't even see that and so i go to say hey well and and they go we're not interested and then I go, and this is where like the spiritual kind of side of it just felt, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high mm. places. There, there is a, a don't be taken captive to philosophies and ideologies of this day, right? That's the idea. And they're captive. They're captured by this to a point where it is the doctrines of demons and they are responding in what and i think that's what people are saying like the left is responding with religious dogma and it's because mm -hmm. they filled it with you know we we need this right as human beings were created and designed in a, a certain way to work and god has given us his law and i say uh, i insert law with um design the way god has designed us to work just like the laws of gravity and the laws of nature there's the laws of human being now the spirit of the life of christ is mm -hmm 
that new ethic, that new law, that new way of life. So anyways, uh, they, they have this way of life that they've, they've adhered to. And I am the antithesis of that that, way of life. Right. And so when I walk up, I'm in contrast to them and they react to that and they they go, we don't, we don't even want to hear it. And, and then I look at the, the, the guy, she's his wife's one. And I'm looking at him because he's usually the one who serves me. My wife started noticing that the other gal, the gal didn't want to serve me. She would, she would kind of ignore me. And I I was kind of oblivious to that. And then I'm looking at him like, are you okay with this? And, uh, she goes, this is like, I mean, the fact that you could talk to somebody like this, uh, she looks at me and she goes, um, you can look at me. You asked me. Oh gosh. And I go, okay. (laughs) Right. I go, and it honestly, I'm such an aggressive personality. I'm confrontational. I've had conflicts where people are like, man, that's the pastor playing basketball or a guy out. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty confrontational, even surfing. Like, Hey dude, don't do that. Like don't drop in on me or don't back paddle that guy or that guy was sitting there. That's his way. Like I'm pretty vocal. I'm pretty like aggressive. And, uh, in this moment, I felt like the spirit just constrained me. And it was like, um, I just said, okay, um, do, would you like me to, I can shop somewhere else. They're like, we would appreciate that. Wow. Can't come here. Okay. Well, man. So, so there is a, there is a cost, you know, there is a cost to stuff like that, but we need to wrap this up. And I want to just say a couple final things and then, uh, and then wrap it up here. One of the main reasons that I wanted to have Sam on is that I had, I've admired from afar, your guys' willingness at a cost in a state like California to obey the Lord. And here's what's happening all over the country. There may not have been thousands of churches open in California, but there have been thousands of churches across this country over the last two years that have have come to the conclusions we have to obey God over man, no matter what the cost. And we're going to, we, we are going to, uh, we obviously honor and respect those who have been appointed or elected officials in in our system of government but our allegiance no matter what system of government we we are under even if it's a pure monarchy with a king and even in that situation we obey god over man all the time no matter what and what we see is the same sort of thing replicated all over the country which is growth churches that are saying we have grown by 50 percent we've grown by double our giving is up we're in in that's exact same situation our churches found ourselves in and it's interesting if you just see that in the principle of if sowing and reaping, and, and this isn't a universal promise kind of thing, but you see these general principles everywhere that if there are people that are willing to obey the Lord, then what they're seeing is God is faithful and there's increased, there's harvest, there's mm-hmm. blessing. And there you, you see God doing this all over the country and churches that are complying their, themselves into oblivion. What you see is there's crickets in the building. There's built, there's people that are serve leaving. You two masters and you cannot and that's, serve two that's masters. The, that's the fallacy is like, you realize he owns everything. He has all things. And so, um, you serve him and, and, and that's what happens. And so, yeah, we're, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that, um, God's blessed us. And I think the idea of heaven on earth is to bring the, the kingdom of heaven as a hand. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that w- where I am, you may be also. And so the work of, of, 
the kingdom of heaven is making space and place for people. Mm -hmm. And so the fundamental idea this last year has been like, there is no space, they're closed. And so think about just how fundamental it is to the human condition. If I save a seat for you, if I say, Hey man, this is for you. Or think about the Forrest Gump movie, like the opening scene that's so impactful is like, Hey, you can't sit here, you know? Mm -hmm. And then finally the little girl goes, Hey, you can sit here if you want. And you're just melted. Why? Because it's fundamental to our idea when someone saves us a spot. And I think that's what people feel like when, when churches make a space in a place, you're creating this pocket of heaven on earth where, like you said, the harvest is there and the world looks right. You'll have hope. First Peter says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have uh, uh, to give a defense. Well, that hope is this place where there's community, there's love, people are isolated, people are caring for one another. And all of a sudden you see, um, provid- the providence of the Lord, the provision of the Lord. You see all of these things. People go, man, why, why is that working? And other churches are having to stand in contrast. Like, why are they mm-hmm. growing? when We're not, why are, why are they? I wish I had that. It was like, well, you're not willing to trust the Lord. And so trust the Mm -hmm. Lord and lean not to your own understanding. He'll direct you. And, uh, yeah, man. Hey, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you, um, taking the time with me and absolutely uh, really encouraged me over the years to really be faithful to the scriptures. And, and, uh, I really appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate you guys. We've been talking to pastor Sam Kaiser, Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it.